a community. In today's episode, Matt sits down with Ross Fishburne from Equipped Worship, and they talk about how to think sonically as a worship musician, what it means to think sonically, and how it will help improve your band's sound. Be sure to check out equippedworship.com and enjoy the interview. What's up, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Loop Live. My name is Matt McCoy. I'm your host of the Loop Live show, and today we have a great guest. We've got Ross Fishburne from Equip Worship. And so we're going to talk about what Equip Worship is offering worship leaders. We're going to be also talking about thinking sonically as a worship band and what that means and how that will enhance what you're doing on a Sunday morning, on a Thursday night in rehearsal. He's going to give us a ton of tips on thinking sonically as a worship band. Wherever you're watching this from, if you've got a question, if you've got a comment, write it down in the chats, wherever you are, Facebook, YouTube, we might take some live questions. And without further ado, here is Ross Fishburne. Ross, what is going on, man? Greetings. Hey, Matt. It's good good to see see you again. So you are running Equipped to Worship, equippedtoworship.com. Is that the URL? That's it, equipworship.com. Tell us, what what is Equipped to Worship? Oh, man, Equipped Worship. So it's a few months old. Um, This platform came out of a passion to weekly uh, and relationally invest in worship leaders, worship teams. Um, So there's a lot of information out there, a lot of digital information. um, And, you know, they're what we've discovered, what I've discovered in my, I don't know, 20 years of worship leading and producing music is most worship leaders don't receive one-on-one mentoring. And so we're trying to provide a platform where there can be a relational one-on-one mentor to mentee relationship that's formed over months at a time to really support and serve uh, worship leaders and worship teams in the local church. That's awesome, man. So what is it that you are you, you're a musician, right? What do you play? Man, what do I play? I've, I've, so over the last few years, professionally, I've played drums and bass with Shane and Shane primarily in the worship initiative. Uh, still doing that as much as I can. Um, yeah. But as a worship leader, I typically would lead from acoustic guitar. That's awesome. I, so it's, think- it's hard to say. It's hard to say that I play keys, but I did pass piano proficiency in my undergrad, so that counts, right? <laughs> yeah. How long have you been involved in worship music? Um, almost 20, 20 years. If you count high school, since I was 16, so I'm 36, 20 years. Long time. So you've got this whole idea of thinking sonically. What does that mean when we say thinking sonically? From a worship band perspective, maybe you're in a rehearsal or a Sunday morning, you know, setup. What is this idea of thinking sonically? So we're we're not what we're not talking about is Sonic the Hedgehog for all of you <laughs> pictured Sonic oh, the Hedgehog. Uh, I miss that which game. I I miss that game. I miss I miss my Sega Genesis, man. Um, so thinking sonically in terms of considering the frequency your instrument produces. So that's what we're talking about. So there's this sonic spectrum, right? From, And I'm no front of house expert, but there's a spectrum of 20 hertz to 20 kilohertz where all of these 
frequencies from all of these instruments, drums, bass, keys, electric guitar, vocals, everything falls in this spectrum. And thinking sonically is considering where your instrument falls on that spectrum. Yeah. And every musician in your band can't be thinking sonically. Because I do think it's interesting that, um, you know, let me just throw this example out to you and see if I'm kind of on the right track. I was playing in a worship band a couple weeks ago, and there was someone playing acoustic guitar. There's two acoustic guitar players. I was playing acoustic. The other person was playing acoustic. We were in a small a song that was very quiet. I think it was What a Beautiful Name at the very beginning, right? It's just very quiet, piano-driven. And the acoustic player from the very, very beginning of the song was just strumming full on all the way through from top to bottom and never, ever stopped strumming. Is that kind of the idea of thinking about where does your instrument fit in the overall song in the band? Um, a little bit. So that's like, so that would be, I would think more what you just said would be thinking rhythmically and in terms of parts, but there's also this third component of sonically thinking. And I think the misconception is that it's all up to the front of house engineer to determine where your instrument lands sonically, which is true. It's not, yeah. that's not false, but um, I think more so what I'm thinking about is if that acoustic guitar player was playing low and strumming a lot and you decided to capo high, well, you're, you're out of his, register and out of his sonic range right. in his right. sonic world a little bit more or maybe a better example is since i'm a bass player is um determining when you're going to play high on the song and when you're going to play low on the song um yep. really can determine and uh inform the dynamics of a song because the the low frequencies emote differently than the high frequencies so you create different emotion when you play low versus when you play high interesting so sonically too then would be you know how your drum how drum drum heads sound or your tone of your electric guitar or the type of pickup you're using with your acoustic guitar that type of thing yeah basically not yeah. leaving it all up to the front of house to eq your guitar send them a good sounding instrument so that they don't have to do any eq <laughs> Right. Yeah. 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 Start at the source. I think what I've learned over the years of working in the studio um, is start at the source. So as a drummer, like most oftentimes the problems can be fixed at the source. So the drum head yeah. or how you're yeah. hitting the drum and that just serves the front of house engineer so well because their, yeah. their source is beautiful and yeah. set up well. And yeah. then they have a lot more to work with versus trying to fix problems. What instrument do you think in worship is the most susceptible to this problem? Oh, man. I mean, you have to start with the drums just because the drums cover such a wide spectrum sonically from yeah. you consider the kick drum super low frequencies versus the hi-hats and the snare and the cymbals producing yeah. really high frequencies. And so it's such a wide uh, range. And so I would start with the drums. You know, what's funny is it seems like a lot of times the drum mic isn't even placed correctly at all. So like 
people are like the kick drum sounds horrible but the kick drum mic is like four feet away <laughs> right <laughs> not even really been on there so yeah you know totally. even the sound team has to think well that's more of like technical uh for sonic thinking but um I think it is yeah. interesting, though, for instrument for the instruments to start thinking that the source needs to also be quality, and that's something yeah. that you're you're totally right that I think is overthought a lot of times. So you're like, oh, well, the sound guy will take care of that, and we're not actually thinking about are we sending them a quality bass sound or an electric guitar yeah. sound or key sound? Because yeah, it's and hard. I can speak, uh, yeah. Oh, sorry, Matt. Sorry, I I can just speak to that real quickly. Like, oftentimes, at least with Shane and Shane, I play this little tiny drum kit that's like a 14 inch kick, 14 inch Tom, 14 inch yeah. snare. And typically I'm using these Cajon brushes that I think Vader yeah. makes these Cajon brushes. They're like really thick, like, I don't know, this bigger, that's a bad example on video, but the really thick black brushes that are used for Cajons. And um, the people will come up to me after a concert or after a worship night that we're playing somewhere and they'll say, man, how do you get these small drums to sound so big? And I'm like, well, it's a lot of different things. One is EQing it. It's an eccentric drum kit. So EQing it correctly, is, yeah. you know, it takes some work and massaging. However, yeah, these little brushes uh, pull out all of the low end tone from these drums versus if I were to play with hot rods or drumsticks, the tone would be completely different. And so I would just say, and I think this is applicable to the majority of churches, you know, when we consider most churches are under a hundred people uh, in our country, at least um, that, that man, you can take something really small and something really simple and think about the source. Think about the brushes that you're using or the sticks you're using or the heads you're using yeah. and create something really beautiful uh, in terms of tone. So, yeah, I hope that's an, a helpful example. Yeah, just the tools you're using can make a huge difference. Yeah. So what would you say um, for a musician who's playing in a worship band, what's a way that they can contribute their instrument without um, maybe clashing with other instrumentation in the band? Like, how do you fit in a mix or how do you fit in a worship mm band with your instrument are there some tips that you have to give worshipers mm. what they're thinking about as they're playing yeah i mean these may seem very obvious but listen to one another you know mm. you're listening to one another's parts and you're listening to one another sonically so oftentimes like as a bass player for example i'm considering the keys player uh yeah. because most often the left hand of the keys player uh, is sitting in the bass guitar range sonically. So yeah. there's a, a buddy, a close buddy named Adam that I play with all the time. And we're always having these conversations. He's such an awesome keys player, thinks sonically. Um, and he's also trying to create emotion with his instrument, right? So uh, a lot of times he'll be playing these big octaves in his left hand, you know, like yeah. big octaves in the left hand. And we'll just have to communicate, like, is this is this your turn to go low or is it my turn to go low? And is the front of house engineer in this conversation right. with us and all of that? So um, I would just say listening to one another and being very communicative in, in how yep. you plan parts uh, together. Um, man, Matt, one of the 
I don't know if you know Michael Olson. He's a Chicago guy like you. Are you familiar with him? I No. Where does he play? He he played drum. Well, he's a worship leader in Jacksonville now, but he played drums with Michael W. Smith and Steve, Stephen Curtis Chapman for years, probably a decade. And I'm, I don't want to take credit for this, but he, he said once in a clinic, he actually came and spoke to our worship team probably over a decade ago. And he used first Corinthians 12 as sort of a parallel to help us think um, sonically and dynamically and how parts fit together. And first Corinthians 12 is all about unity and diversity of the gifts in the church. So all of my theologians out there, I know what it's about, but this is a really great, <laughs> this is a really great parallel in terms of band dynamics. Like for example, in first yeah. Corinthians 12, it says, uh, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again, the head to the feet. I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And later on, it says, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. And so it's just this concept of if I'm the bass player, I might be the hand of the body and the drummer might be the, the eye of the body and the keys player might be the foot of the body and the vocals might be the nose of the body, so on and so forth. And none of the parts are indispensable, but we all um, complement one another and work together to create a unified hmm. body. And yeah. so I just always loved using First Corinthians 12 as a way to describe how your worship team fits together, how your, your choir fits together, your orchestra fits together, whatever that looks yeah. like. Um, so does that make sense? It I, totally does, because I it's think so, so helpful. it's important. It's important, too, that people in the team see that they're a part of a team, that it's not like the drummer show. It's not the electric guitar player show. Um, but that they have a specific role to play that only they can play. And that other people in the team also have specific roles that they play that only they can play. And it's being mindful of everybody's part and that together we're stronger, together we sound better. If we're also like waving other people's flags, you know, and letting other people mm. um, kind of live in that music sonic space instead of just yes. like playing over everybody. Because if you play over everybody, it doesn't do good for anyone. Yeah, for exactly. Team, and, 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 yeah. And Matt, I actually wrote this down. Cause I, I, this is something I like abide by when I'm, when I'm playing bass or any instrument, uh, the more fills you play, the less they mean. And the lack of fills makes the fill you choose great. So mm. I'll say that one more time. Cause it's so good for every instrument. For every instrument, the more fills you play, the less they mean. And the lack of fills makes the fill you choose to play great. And so I had this conversation with a buddy who's just a monster on the drum kit. Uh, we were recording an album. We wrote some songs for the church and we were recording these albums. And he just had this nasty like two, three, four bar fill that he could just shred. But he did it like four or five times in the song. And I was like, bro, if you just let's just choose to like insert that fill one time in this song to give this moment a massive lift in the song. And it'll make that fill so much more special versus playing it four or five times and it losing its meaning and significance. Mm -hmm. That's true. I and think that it's was also really true helpful. for vocalists. 
I yeah. think it's also true for vocalists, you know, being very mindful of when you try to do octave jumps or ad libs. Um, because if you do it too much, it kind of steals away. <laughs> well, it just kind of defeats the purpose of doing it again and again and again. Where if you save mm -hmm. it, it matters more. Yep. Um, that's it's such interesting thinking. And, you know. It's something that for sure, I think, comes natural to professional musicians, people who are doing it for a living over and over and over and over. And maybe not naturally, but maybe you've just learned how to do it as you've done it more and more and more. But what about a church who doesn't have professional musicians, like just volunteer musicians who maybe play once or twice a month, you know, during the week, nine to five, they're an insurance salesman, you know, mm -hmm. and they pick up their guitar mm -hmm. or play drums like twice a month maybe how do you get volunteers to start thinking like that because it really is a mindset it is a um it's something you have to really train yourself yep yeah i would say rehearse observe rinse and repeat and if there's any way for the worship leader to provide uh playback options for example re recording the rehearsal and you listening back um, mm. that's what changed my, my whole world. I mean, the way that I thought about music, uh, it developed my ear, developed, uh, my ear for other instruments, you know? So for a while, when I was a worship leader and music director at a church, we would have Thursday night rehearsals, we would record rehearsal, and then I would send the rehearsal out to the whole band to listen over the next couple of days, just to, uh, you know, like get, keep their, their heart focused on what we were about to do and also um, help remind them of uh, the songs and the parts and all that. Keep it fresh for them. Right. Um, yeah. So they would, they would listen to that recording and then Sunday morning would come around. It would be fresh on their ears and on their hearts. And then we would record the Sunday morning service. And on Monday morning, I would send out, uh, some notes with some feedback, just some super encouraging notes for every person. Um, and this was a volunteer band. So super encouraging notes and then some constructive criticism that helped them develop and grow. And they ate it up, man. They loved it. You know what? Wow. It's like what musician doesn't want to hear themselves. It's hard to hear yourself, but you also want to hear back what, what people you really just think. played. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. yeah so, and here's so just feedback. Wow. And that's a hard, that can be a hard thing to do well, um, where people don't get their feelings hurt. Um, you know, and doing it in a way that's constructive, you know, positive. Yeah. 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 You know, I mean, put some positive things around the negative. Yeah. Like just, I just think people over projects is such a, yeah important thing that we need to have stick yeah. you know have a sticky note on our dashboard every morning yeah when we get in the car you know people over projects you had a great point earlier about the acoustic guitar thinking sonically by the power of the capo and i totally believe that mm. there's a power in the capo you know if there's two acoustic guitar players they shouldn't be playing the same chord facings like someone else should play capo five while the other person's just playing like normal C. Um, uh -huh. I also uh -huh. find too in songs where I'm like this, this is feeling very thin. The sound, if I'm like capoed five, 
I pull that capo off and I play it without a capo to just to add yeah. more low end to fill out the sound of the song. Not like the acoustic guitar is going to do it, but I'm going to do my part. And I think if every instrument is thinking about it that way, like this is sounding thin or this is sounding too full or muddy, what is it that you can do with your part to eliminate that, to make it sound better? Mm. Are there any tips mm. you have for worship keys, kind of like the capo? What about worship keys or electric guitar? Do you have any like quick tips for those instruments? Oh, yeah. I mean, with keys and electric guitar, there's just so there's so many effects and so many additional delay and verb and all these things that you can add. So, you know, all that plays a part, but yeah, if it's feeling thin, I would, I would first consider, um, where are my hands on the instrument on the source? So determine the source first, uh, and determine, determine the sounds that you're providing with all mm -hmm. of your effects, start there and then consider front of house. So for example, um, oftentimes, uh, I'll be playing with Shane, for example, and it's like a trio. It's like Shane on a vocal and acoustic guitar, Shane, the other Shane on just a vocal and then a drummer. And a lot of times we'll have just a keys player. So no bass. Uh, mm -hmm. so we'll supplement with tracks sometimes, but other times we'll play with no tracks. Um, however, the difference is Shane always has the front of house engineer pu put his acoustic guitar in the subs a little bit. So mm -hmm. he's mixing his acoustic guitar into the subs to provide some of that low end uh, frequency that is lacking due to no bass player. Um, we'll also treat our low tom like a kick. So mm -hmm. one of the first things we say is, hey, this low tom we'll say this to the front of house engineer, Hey, this low Tom, just treat it like a secondary kick. And what happens is I'll ride on the low Tom a lot and it'll just create all this low end frequency. And you really don't miss the bass guitar in those mm -hmm. moments. And so just to circle back, I would say in terms of keys and electric guitar and acoustic guitar and all of that, just think like, where, where are my hands sitting what range frequency wise, where are they sitting where I'm able to support the entire mm. uh, band? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, and it just comes back to what you just said. Like, you yeah. were capoed five, it felt thin, so you took the capo off and played yeah. lower. Um, I would yeah. say the same thing for an electric guitar and a keys player. Just consider sonically where you're landing. You have to be thinking about it. And you know, now that I think about it again, I'm like, you know what? What it also requires is you to know your instrument and to have the skill to even be able to pull off the capo and play it in an entire different yeah. uh, chord yeah. basis. And yeah. I think that might be one of the problems is that worship musicians mm. just kind of practice a song one way, you know, capo five, and that's the way that they have the song memorized. If you were to yeah. tell them, okay, now remove the capo and play it in C, it would they, it might, you know, short circuit something. <laughs> mm -hmm. And they're like, I don't know how to do that. So yeah. if you don't have the skill, it makes it a little harder to make those types of changes in the moment. And that is mm -hmm. good musicianship and knowing your instrument, knowing different chord voicings that you can use um, for that. Uh, 
for keyboards, knowing all the different patches that you could go to if something's sounding too muddy or different octaves or knowing how to transpose the keyboard or knowing just how to play it in B flat instead of transposing it. Um, gosh, there's yep. so many tips I feel like you could give, but really it is learning your instrument better and then training yep. your ear to actually listen for how is my instrument going to sit in this mix better? Yeah. 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 So uh, yeah. And I would say, I would yeah. say Matt, like my, just for me to bring it home, like, I grew up in a church of 150 people and I was playing on an electric drum kit. I mean, that's how I grew up playing in worship, you know, yeah. and that's pretty normal. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where's that hip hop patch, man. I need yeah. to turn that hip hop setting up, you know? Um, but um, yeah. The symbols were the worst. <laughs> Those are the hardest yeah. to get the most like dynamics out of. Yeah, and the person in the front row can hear my sticks clicking the rubber pads on the electric yeah. drum kit. Louder than yeah. the cymbal. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. But it, it's, you know, it's been years and years of listening back to myself uh, play yeah. in the studio and at church uh, to where my eyes and ear, my ears were really open to mm. um, thinking sonically over just the parts that I'm playing. So. Yeah. Such, so many good tips there, man. I appreciate even just having the conversation to bring up the idea. This is actually the first time in all the interviews I've done on Luke Community that I think anybody's actually ever brought up that topic or that idea. I've mm. talked to so many people about just like how to do better rehearsals, how to uh, fit dynamically with each other more, but no one's ever brought up the idea of Sonic. Um, which is a mm. pretty important aspect when you think about it as an instrument. That well, sonic it, is kind I of think it, everything. It, in that. it it solves a lot of problems mm -hmm. if you are considering sonically how am I fitting. For example, the mm -hmm. number one worship leader complaint I would guess is probably the cymbals are too loud or the yeah. hi hats are too loud. Yeah. Well, that's because they're really loud, high frequency instruments, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And so if the drummer, if the drummer can think, man, I'm either going to not play the cymbals here, or I'm just going to play them really, really quietly mm -hmm. and think that way. I, th I right. think not only will you serve your worship leader more, but you'll serve your congregation more uh, effectively. Yeah. So yeah, man. So how can people get involved with Equipped Worship? Tell us a little bit about that, what the process looks like. Yeah. Oh, what an man, experience, just, a journey for a worship leader would be like through that. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, it's super simple to get started. Um, you can go visit equipworship.com and click the get started button. There's like a three question get started submission form. And then I'll receive that form and we'll have a 30 minute free conversation about your needs and your ministry context and how I can support you relationally, spiritually, in ministry, um, and we'll determine your ministry context. We have a team of coaches that are unbelievable, Matt. Um, I don't know if you know of any of, I, I feel like you probably know a couple of them, but uh, yeah, I looked at the just, page and a lot of them looked very familiar to me. They're, they're unbelievable people with, you know, 15 to 20 years of ministry experience. Some of them 20 years of music production experience in the studio, front of house engineer experience, man, the hope is that 
after our conversation uh, that I can pair you and recommend you with one of the coaches that will suit you the best. Um, Mm -hmm. I just, I look back on my, especially my younger years of worship leadership and my development. The one thing that I wish that I had was regular mentorship and feedback. Um, Mm -hmm. There were just times where I felt emotionally drained. There were times when I wanted to quit because Mm -hmm. I just felt extremely insecure in my giftings. Um, I felt like I couldn't handle the, the pressure of the stage or the lights or the, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. my pastor was asking of me or whatever it was. Um, and I just needed a, a mentor who had been there and done that to remind me of what is true and remind me of what my role is. And so our hope is, uh, I want to really encourage worship leaders to think deeply about their biblical mission and model of worship, Matt. Uh, I I don't think this is just a hunch, but because this was true of me, I didn't think deeply biblically and deeply about what my role was. Hmm. Um, When you consider the offices of the new Testament, worship leader isn't there. And so what does it look like to be a modern worship leader in today's church, it, you know, the office isn't inherently wrong or even unbiblical, but what does it look like to be maybe according to Ephesians four, an apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist first before you're the song leader. Um, And we see throughout history, the worship leader's role is to facilitate the sung prayer of God's people. So that's, that's like real, even Mm -hmm back to all the way back to the Davidic tabernacle, right? Like the Levites facilitating the sung prayer of God's people. Um, But what does it look like for this modern worship leader position? That's only 50 years old, you know, 1960, maybe the the Jesus movement was like the first time that this, this kind of position um, presented itself. And so our hope is our hope, man, is just to support the worship leader and the worship pastor in a way where they're thinking deeply about their role and they feel really supported and equipped for the work Mm -hmm. of the ministry. I love that, man. I think back on my worship leading journey and I agree with you that I think I didn't really start growing. You know, I was surviving and, you know, probably moving in some sort of forward motion, but I wouldn't really start growing in depth as a worship leader until I was receiving very direct feedback and coaching every single week. And it was, you know, it had everything to do with like scheduling people and, you know, doing vocal auditions and maybe turning someone down, that type of stuff, like dealing with people issues, but also how to better run rehearsals. Uh, Also watching a video every single weekend of my worship leading and critiquing it. And I'll tell you, you will never grow. (laughs) <laughs> yep. more and faster than from watching a video of yourself lead worship and have people give feedback on it's true on how your leadership is. And there's still things that as I'm leading worship, even today will pop in my head of like, Oh yeah, I remember I learned about that in coaching, you know, don't do this, don't do that. Or, and it helps so much, but a lot of people don't go there because it can be scary, but it is, it's what's going to really help you because otherwise, I mean, don't we all just want to be a little bit more self-aware? 
I feel like it's actually kind of yeah. scary to not know. I would rather have people give me very direct, honest feedback than not tell me anything or just give me like, yeah. hey, great job this weekend. I want to know like deep down what actually was their experience. And even, yes. if, it, even if it kind of stings me a little bit, it's good to know because then you can actually get better. And I think that is way more freeing than um, <laughs> being oblivious to it. Yes. And that's so. part of the refining process and making us more impactful and effective leaders for the kingdom yeah. of God. And, and that's one of the things that we do, Matt, is uh, weekly rehearsal and service feedback is a part of the personalized development plan. So right yeah. now, like I'm coaching a couple of people and they're sending me their rehearsal during the week in their service after Sunday morning. And yeah. it gives me an opportunity to objectively, I don't attend their church, so I can objectively give them um, leadership feedback, communication feedback, yeah. musical feedback, any feedback that they, they are open to receiving. Yeah. Um, I can give them that. And so, yeah, man, that's a part of it too. And I, I completely agree that that helps us become more effective and impactful as leaders. I love it, man. So good. Um, so everybody needs to go to equippedworship.com. Check out the services offering there. Follow you on Instagram, I'm sure. Is it equipped to worship on Instagram? Equip worship, yeah. Cool. Go there, follow them. Uh, check out what Ross is doing. Ross, I appreciate you joining us on the Loop Live show and for sharing all this information. That's really, really helpful. Really great. And I'm I really hope to watch the equipped worship uh, platform grow. And mm. I'm gonna be thinking more sonically, I think. This is a it's actually just mm. such a good reminder. I think every worship leader needs to be thinking about that. Every person in mm. a worship band needs to be thinking about it. So thanks for bringing that topic up. I love it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Thanks for having me on, Matt. And it's great to see your face yep. again, buddy. Yeah, man. You too. Thanks for joining. We'll see you soon. All right, bro. All right. Bye-bye. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining Loop Live. So glad that you joined us for that. Uh, such a great conversation with Ross about thinking sonically as a worship band. Whatever you learned, what, what's one thing that stood out to you in this conversation? Type it down in the comments, wherever you're watching this, whether it's on Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, whatever. Write down in the comments, what's one thing that really stood out to you about this conversation? If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to us on Facebook, YouTube, wherever, podcasts, and uh, go check out Equip Worship. Really, really good stuff there. Get coaching. You will improve as a worship leader, as a worship band member. If you have someone who's actually walking you through all the things that you're facing as a worship leader. There's a lot of challenges as a worship pastor, dealing with people and scheduling and rehearsals and your instrument and building effective worship sets and leading well. There's so many areas that you can uh, just get better in by having someone just kind of come alongside you and coach you through it. So check that out for sure. And uh, thanks for joining us today on Loop Live. We'll see you next time. Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Couldn't do what we do without you. Let us know in the comments what you thought also make sure you hit the subscribe button follow us on facebook youtube stay tuned we got a bunch more stuff coming appreciate you guys see ya